Well, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the book of Proverbs and also the book of Daniel. Proverbs and the book of Daniel, chapter 1. Um, and so, uh, anybody excited about reading the book of Proverbs during the month of July? I don't know. Listen. All right. There's only a few of you. The rest of you, we'll, we'll just share with you all the wisdom that we're getting. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know about you, but man, when I'm reading the book of Proverbs, whatever the day is, right now, the, the Lord spoke to me and said, July will be a month of wisdom. So that when the Lord spoke that to me, that means that there's a wisdom that he wanted to impart that we had not yet embraced. So I wanted to grow in it. So yesterday, of course, anybody, have, you know, it was the 18th, right? You read Proverbs chapter 18. And all of us who have ever had foot-in-mouth disease, when you read that chapter, boy, you are blessed. You are blessed. It's so good. Speaking to the, the power of words and how, how we need to make sure that our words are what? Being used for life and not death. Boy, I tell you what, there's a lot, lots of those. If anybody's getting really convinced, I mean, you read Proverbs 18, if you're one that just speaks first and thinks next, you're, you're like every verse, ouch, ouch, thank you, ouch. Wisdom, it's wisdom. And today I'm going to continue in this series called The Ancient Path of Wisdom. This is part two. Proverbs 4 says this, get wisdom. Get understanding, do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, she will preserve you, love her, and she will keep you. We need to get wisdom. Look at your neighbor and say, get some wisdom. Come on, you've been wanting to say that all week long. Uh-oh, we need to reread Proverbs 18, don't we? Oh my goodness. Help us, Jesus. Help us. Get wisdom. So we need to get it. We need to pursue it. We need to go after it. And wisdom is way more than just uh, an idea. Wisdom is a person. Wisdom put skin on and came to earth. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the personification of wisdom. He is wisdom wrapped in flesh. But we in the church, we need wisdom in this hour. And I believe this is what the Lord is saying from Jeremiah chapter 6. This is what the Lord says. He says, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient past. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said, this was Israel, I won't walk in that. How many of you know our nation's at a crossroads? How many of you know that many marriages today, they're at a crossroads? I mean, coronavirus actually revealed to married people that you have to hang out. <laughs> and you need to get along. Hello? There's some real life things that are at some crossroads. And what's he say to do? Stand at the crossroad and look. That is, that is meaning that, that we need to pray, watching and looking it means to pray. And what do we pray? We ask, where is the good way? Where is the way of wisdom? Where is the ancient path in the, in the time where we don't know which direction to go? And believe me, in this hour, there will be plenty of voices telling you, this way, go this way, go that way. 
But wisdom, true biblical wisdom, is the ancient path. And I define wisdom this way, and you can jot this down. It's a very simple definition, the proper attitude, belief, or course of action. How many know that wisdom sometimes is just an attitude? It starts in the heart. Sometimes wisdom is, is just the right belief, the right belief system. And of course, wisdom has to be actionable. It has to be acted on. It needs to work. So I wrote this. You can write this down too. Wisdom is the right way to think, the right way to believe, and the right way to live. And there is a right way. And God's word gives us wisdom and teaches us the right way to think, the right way to believe, and the right way to live. And uh, today, and if you'll remember this, wisdom begins with what? The fear of the Lord. We talked about it last week. It begins with the fear of the Lord. If you don't have the fear of the Lord, you will never possess wisdom. Because Proverbs chapter 9 says, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So as soon as you step in to any ounce of wisdom, the greeter at the door is wearing a shirt. It says, the fear of the Lord. If you want to come into any more wisdom, you've got to come in through the fear of the Lord. That means we hold him in majesty and in awe and in reverence. That means I revere what he says. I revere what he thinks. I revere his instruction even if I don't understand it. It's the fear of the Lord. And we know, we listened last week. If you didn't get to listen to the message, please go back and listen to it. Calvary.online. It's a powerful message on the fear of the Lord. But the fear of the Lord is the gateway to the presence of God. And I lay that out. And that's what we want. If we really want awakening and revival, it will start with the fear of the Lord. Because where he is revered, he comes. Where he is revered, he comes. Now, this week, we wanna, I want to share with you a story from the book of Daniel. And really, if I were to, to give this a secondary title, it would be this. It would be living wisely in a worldly system. Living wisely in a worldly system. Now, uh, you, know, you know, it's a little bit easy in here where many of us are believers and we're like shouts and amens and we share the ideas of, of God. We're like, yes, but we need to go from this place back out into the world and we need to know how to live. Now, we're going to look at the life of Daniel and he's going to give us some insight about how to live wisely in a worldly system. But you first need a revelation of the system that he's in that wisdom actually functions in. So let's begin reading in Daniel chapter 1. So we too, as the church, can learn to live wisely in a worldly system. Daniel chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into, the, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. 
Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, underline it, circle it, make sure you see it, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace, that uh, whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now, from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuch gave names he gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Now, let me give you a little back. Let me give you a little bit of background. Okay, these men who are gifted in all wisdom have just been conquered. Judah, who was supposed to be. The, the one tribe who was very faithful to God, Judah, whose name means praise, has now been conquered. And who have they been conquered by? Babylon. They've been conquered by Babylon. Now, by the way, this isn't the first time Babylon actually shows up. The initial time Babylon shows up is way back in Genesis. Many of you may have heard of the story of the Tower of Babel. And the Tower of Babel was man's attempt to build a system to reach God or to reach a godlike status. They wanted to build a tower to reach heaven. And God came down and confused the languages. That tower was called the Tower of Babel, which, which, which means this. Babylon and the Tower of Babel means this. Sown in confusion. So Babylon means sown in confusion. But So it's way back in Genesis. It's now in this time of, of, of Daniel's time, but guess what? Babylon actually shows up in the end of the book of Revelation. In Revelation 18 and 19, we see Babylon falling. And I got good news for you. Just go read Babylon, uh, Re Revelation 18 and 19. Guess who Babylon is falling to? It's falling to Jesus. Jesus is conquering Babylon. The whole system of confusion bows its knee to Jesus. But the world mourns Babylon in the book of Revelation. But the, why, the reason why I want you to see that Babylon is way back in Genesis, it's also here in this time of conquest, and it's also in the future, is because the spirit of Babylon is at work today. And there is so much confusion at work. There is so much confusion. And do you know God's antidote to confusion is wisdom? Yes. 
So the spirit of Babylon is, is really waging war against us. You say, well, I mean, come on. I mean, do we really need wisdom? Uh, yes. Let me just give a few examples to you. And if this offends you, it's okay. Hang on to it. Take it home. Put it in the microwave. Warm it up and eat it for lunch. I mean, just hang on to it. Wrestle with it a little bit. You're going to have to chew on it a little bit. Let me give you some examples about why we need wisdom. For all of human history, we have known that there are only two genders. By the way, that's not a political statement. And if you're just offended, like, I think there's 80-some genders. No, there's not. No, I'm not making, I'm, I'm making, I'm making a Bible statement that God created them male and female. God, God set the parameters, not, you know, we say gender's a spectrum. No, listen, I remember science and we took out a prism and the, the spectrum refers to light, something that could be divided into many. Actually, the human race, in order to flourish, can only be divided in two. I can't even believe we got to bring this up. Why are we having to bring this up? Babylon. It's a spirit. It's a spirit. Listen to me. It's a spirit. The spirit of confusion is resting. Listen, and it's also in the church, which is why we need this. Why we're going to talk about it. Listen, I'll keep going. Listen, I'm if I'm going to just step off in it, I'm just going to step off in it. I was born in 1972. It happened to be the year that Roe v. Wade was passed. And since then, 60 million murders, the greatest genocide this planet has ever seen, has happened at the hands of people who are supposed to be given to health. Abortion is murder. And there is no confusion about it unless you're living under a spirit of Babylon. And there's tons of injustice. There's tons of things that are out of order. Marriage. I recently read an article about a guy trying to marry an animal. Oh, no, no, no. Don't groan. Don't groan. Oh, it's coming. Oh, it's coming. And marriage again was defined at the hands of God. He fashioned Eve and brought her to Adam. And God himself performed the first marriage between Adam and Eve. And by the way, since, since all of you think I'm getting political, it was actually at the hands of lazy lawmakers in both parties who took something sacred and redefined it and made it something secular. Marriage has always been sacred, born by God, fashioned by God for the flourishing of humankind. And yet a Babylon system comes down and says, marriage is anything we want to redefine it as. 
And that happened at the hands of lazy lawmakers. They said, oh, we'll just appease everybody and make everything marriage. And they took something that meant something else. What is it? Babylon. It's confusion. It's confusion. Why do we need wisdom? Here's why. Babylon is way more sinister than you think. Way more sinister than you think, and we need wisdom. First, here's why. Babylon wants your freedom. Babylon wants your freedom. Daniel chapter 1, it says, he, he went and got young men who there was no blemish. They were good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand. Who had what? Notice these three words, ability to serve. They had what? The ability to serve. What does that mean? We're going to make them our slaves. Babylon wants servants. Babylon wants slaves. And how do they do it? They indoctrinate them. And it says, whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. It says, I'm going to teach them the language and the literature. I'm going to teach them how to speak and what to think. How many of you know when, when your heart is filled with the wrong thing, it leads to death? And when your mouth is speaking the wrong thing, it actually reveals the heart. Notice what Proverbs 17, 20 says. He who has a deceitful heart, that means a heart filled with deceit, with the wrong thing, thinking it's right, finds no good. Do you see this? By the way, the root of the word good is actually God. So you'll never find God by a, a wrong route. That's what this is saying. Your heart will never lead you to God by a wrong path, by thinking the wrong thoughts, thinking untruths. And he says, and he who has a perverse tongue falls into evil. So here are the, here's Babylon. Babylon's saying, hey, listen, I want you to think this way in your heart, and I want you to speak this way. Let me, uh, let me give you a kind of an up-to-date um, way of, of thinking about Babylon because there is a word that no matter what the call sign of your favorite news organization is, you'll hear this word tossed around trying to discredit the other one. And that, that word is this, narrative. That is the narrative. You know what that is? That is the language and the thoughts of the other one. They're, you know what they're saying? You've been reading and learning the language of that party. You've been reading and learning the language of that party. And let me just tell you, when, when we stand before God, he ain't gonna ask you which party you were a part of. He's gonna say, are you, you know, you can be like Joshua going, God, are you for me or against me? Are you for this party or against party? You're gonna hear from God, neither. I'm the party, get with my party. Follow wisdom. And listen, Babylon wants slaves. And right now, there's a Babylon system that is trying to not only enslave the world, which is just so quick to go to it, but also the church. And Romans 6.16 says, Do you not know that the one to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are the slaves of the ones whom you obey, whether to sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Listen, 
There is only one way to be free, and that's to be a slave of Christ. There's only one way. Babylon is saying, listen, hey, listen to me. Uh, you need to serve me. You need to serve the world system. Jesus is saying you'll never be free unless you serve me. John chapter 8 says it this way. It says, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. There is only freedom in Christ. That's where freedom is. Don't think that you're somehow going to work the system in this world. You're not. You're not going to win against a Babylon spirit. What do you got to give? I've got to give myself to the Holy Spirit and walk in the wisdom of God in his word. I pray some of you are uncomfortable today. Because most of us don't change in an atmosphere of comfort. We change when God starts to move our cheese. Starts to shift things around us. But make no mistake, Babylon doesn't just want servants or slaves. Babylon wants your identity. If you're a son or a daughter of God, a Christian, Babylon wants your identity. Notice what they did to these young men. It says, and to the chief of eunuchs gave names to them. They gave these names. He gave Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, uh, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to uh, Azariah, Abednego. Now, I, I want to I just, just call your attention to something that slowly the church did and even the church that I grew up in which I was really, uh, again, I'm really grateful for all the Bible teaching that I got as a young man all the Bible classes that I went to and the, the, I was in a Christian school from K through 5 we had Bible class every single day but I can promise you this I did not know the Hebrew names of these three boys here's what I knew Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and most of you probably go, oh yeah, the three Hebrews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why? That wasn't their name. That wasn't their name. So it couldn't be that the church even for years and years and years and years has been just silently being seduced by the spirit of Babylon. So we more identify with Babylon than we do with the truth of who God has made us to be. See, Babylon wants your identity but here, because here's the truth of who God had created Daniel to be. Daniel's name means God is my judge. Belteshazzar from Babylon means the treasure of Baal. Here's what he says. My name really is, is God will bring justice concerning me. That's what his name means. God is my judge. And in order to be seduced by a false god, notice what he says. Daniel, your new name, oh, you're the treasure. You're special. Daniel, you're so special. Listen, Babylon will always try to flatter you into falsehood. Babylon always tries to flatter us into falsehood. But what do we need to do? We need to say, no, no, no. I'm not, gonna, I'm not giving in to that. I'm not going to allow my identity to be shaped by this culture. I'm going to walk in the wisdom of God. Let's go on. Let's see. Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious. Do you know what grace is? Grace is us receiving something we could have never earned. It means Yahweh is gracious. His name, Shadrach, means command of Aku, the moon god. How many of you know... Those two stand opposed. Shadrach, command of a coup, false religion, Babylon. Listen, 
will always say, do what I say or else. It's the cancel culture. It's the boycott. If you don't think the way I, I will, uh, the way I think, I'm gonna unfriend you. I'm not talking to you. I don't honor you. I want nothing to do with you. Why? Because I'm giving you a command and you need to think the way I think. What is that? Babylon. But what's, what's the truth? It says Yahweh is gracious. You know what? What this reveals is the truth about Christianity. Here it is. All religion based in the heart of man and on falsehood is man trying to reach God. And yet his name reveals that Christianity is all about God reaching man. It's God's grace, his undeserved favor coming to men to redeem, to buy back, to pay the price for sins. His name, Hananiah, Yahweh is gracious. Look at the nest, Mishael. His name is, who is like God? And so the Babylonians thought, well, let's give him the name Meshach, which means who is what a coup is. He, just, he says, oh, we're just going to make a small change. Just a small change. It's almost the same. It sounds so similar. Oh, we hear this from the Babylonian culture that we're in. Oh, all religion is kind of the same. It'll all, you'll, all, you'll get there. You'll get to heaven. You'll get there. You'll be all right. And this is what Babylon does. Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. Oh, you're into God. So well, which, way do you, which way are you into him? Just a slight change. And then Azariah, it says, Yahweh helps. That's what his name means, Yahweh helps. And Abednego says, servant of Nego. Do you see the difference? His name declares God comes to help man. And the Babylonian name, the redefining of his identity is say, you do what you're told. You think the way that you're called to think, and that's it. Listen, that's not wisdom. Wisdom is walking in truth. And when you realize that Babylon and this Babylon system that we're in right now, that we're under the influence, that is at work right now, is trying to rob you of your identity in Christ, you suddenly will say, God, I'm going to embrace your wisdom from your word. And, and here's the sneaky part. Nebuchadnezzar did not go directly to these Hebrew boys and, and, and say, um, okay, young men, I want you to renounce your faith and, and embrace idolatry. He did not come out and just say that. Here's what he did. He made slight changes. He gave them a name so that whenever someone called their name, they would just always hear what they were not in hopes that they would become what they hear. How do you make a lie stick in culture? Say it again and again and again and again and again until someone believes it. And unfortunately, many people in the church have been hearing the whispers of the devil. When, when God defines you in his word, all we hear is what the devil says over us, what the culture says over us. And what do we do? After a while, we, we fall prey to Babylon's plan, which is that we would slowly step into our idolatry rather uh, than, you know, because he, does, he doesn't want to cause a rebellion. He just wants us to slowly ebb away from the truth of God's word. That's what Babylon does. Babylon says all gods are the same and they are not. 
the truth and the wisdom of God says in Isaiah 44, this is God talking, he says, is there a God beside me? Indeed, there is no other rock, I know not one. And we as believers have to allow God to define who we are and not our culture. We in the church don't need more of the culture of our world. It's nonsense. Babylon, that's what Babylon is saying. Oh, come on. Come on, just read our narrative. Just say what we're saying, just to get along. And ultimately, we're trying to be redefined by a spirit. So let me ask you this. How then did Daniel display the wisdom of God in a Babylonian system? Because this is what we need to grab a hold of. You and I, this is what we need to do. And I'm just going to give you two points. Just two things. And we'll just start here with the fear of the Lord, and these two, these two principles, then we'll begin to step further into our purpose for this hour. So how did Daniel display wisdom? First, he set his heart toward God. Daniel 1.8 says, but Daniel purposed, and that's the word. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine with which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. This word purposed, it means to put, to set, to lay. It means to lay upon. It means this, to, to lay violently. It means, man, I am setting my heart in a direction and I'm not moving from this direction. That's when he said, when he purposed his heart, he says, my heart is going after God. My heart is not going to be moved. And church, in this hour, we need to embrace this thought. My heart is not going to be moved from the timeless wisdom that God has spoken from Genesis to Revelation. Those timeless, uh, wise statements, those defining markers that God gives us from his word. Daniel put God first. You say, well, why does he think he's going to defile himself? I mean, this is the best food. This is the wine the king drinks. I mean, Daniel's about to live on the government's dime. The government says, we're going to take care of everything. There's only one problem. All that food and all that wine has been dedicated to a false god. All of it's been consecrated to idolatry. And Daniel said, no, 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 I set my heart to follow God. And of course, he's Jewish. There are certain things that they're called to eat and some things that they're called not to eat. Why? Because God, before biology was revealed to all of us, said, I'm going to keep my people healthy. And listen, I'm, I'm really sorry that Jewish people did not get a revelation of bacon until Gentiles came later. But in that day, it would have been very unhealthy for them to eat because they didn't know all the things that you had to really cook out. Thank God we can do that today. But God was saying, hey, I'm going to keep you healthy. And not only that, but you don't touch things that have been consecrated to other gods. 
not even if it means I'm taking care of you at the highest level by the government. Daniel said, I'm putting God first. And here's the truth from God's word in the New Testament to us. He says, if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Here it is. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden in Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear Him with him in glory. Here's what he's saying. He's saying... Hey, listen, you need to set your mind on things above. He says, I, I love this about the church. Here's what I love about the church. The church, by the way, if you're a guest or visitor here, you need to know this. None of us here are perfect. It's actually what I love about the church. That all of us come in our brokenness to Christ who comes and redeems us, forgives us, and makes us brand new. But in our brokenness, in our imperfection, this needs to be equally true. We are pointed. We're not perfect, but we're pointed. Our lives are headed in the direction of Christ. As a matter of fact, let me say it this way, based on Colossians chapter 3. It's this. Wisdom says, God has ransomed my past and paid for my past and secured my future so I will be faithful in the present. He's ransomed my past. He paid for all of my sins, all of my brokenness, all of my twisted. He paid for it. He secured my future. What's that mean? One day Jesus is coming back with the shout of the archangel and the trump of God will sound. The dead in Christ will rise. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Listen, he paid for my past. My future is in him so I set my heart on him in the now and say God I'm going to be faithful to you I set my heart we have to set our hearts and unfortunately in this hour we get a coronavirus epidemic and the church went crazy I understand the world going crazy but the church our hearts were supposed to be set our feet weren't supposed to be planted in Babylon. Where were they supposed to be? We need to be planted in the place of prayer, planted in the place of worship, planted in the word of God. But good news, how many of y'all felt like in the, last, in the last few months, some people were like, oh, I hate 2020. I love it. You know why I see the flames and fire of revival burning? Listen, your bank account may not be the best, but I tell you what, your heavenly account is growing. When you're getting into God's word and you're starting to pray and starting to pursue God like never before, all of a sudden, man, I'm grateful for 2020. I know that's weird thinking, isn't it? It is, but our goals are different. Babylon's goals are way different than the kingdom's goals. And wisdom will lead us into kingdom's goals. And we have to set our hearts. Listen to this. We have to set our hearts before the test in order to pass the test. And then there's grace. If you didn't have your heart set, get it set now. Because the shaking's not over, folks. You better get ready. You better get ready. This is only the beginnings. This is early on in those labor pains. Whew. Man, I saw that five times too. Man, that word ministers to me. 
I've got to get ready. <laughs> so here's what wisdom, here's how we display wisdom. We set our hearts toward God. And second, I'll just finish with this. Daniel was willing to trust God during the test. Can I, can I just say this to everybody? Stop praying for the test to end. I'm not talking about the COVID-19 crisis. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the personal process that God has you in so that he can develop godly character. Because there is one thing, I am praying for the end of the COVID-19 crisis, but I am not praying for the test to end that is actually producing something of eternal significance and value in my own life. I am not praying for that. Here's what I'm praying. I'm praying to display wisdom all throughout the test. Notice what verse 12 says in Daniel 1. It says, please, this is what Daniel says, please test your servants. When's the last time you prayed like that? Oh, God, would you please test me? <laughs> How long would you like that test, son? Oh, 10 days is good. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's not how we pray. We're, we're praying, Lord, I didn't, I didn't study for this test. Will you supernaturally give me words of knowledge to answers to this test? That's the way we want. That's it. I need supernatural wisdom. You just give it to me. I participate in nothing at all. I have no personal responsibility. I'm just a conduit to give you, give you glory. That's how we want it. Please test your servants for 10 days and let, let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. All while the others are feasting and drinking. Think about it. That thing ever creep up in your heart? Say, God, they don't even serve you, but it looks like they're being blessed. Some of you need to be thankful for the vegetables and water because it's going to produce something greater in you. It says, give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you. Then the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with, our, with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. Listen, wisdom doesn't avoid the personal test, but is validated by the test. When you go through the process with God in wisdom, listen, it is validated. Wisdom is proved by her children. Read the book of Proverbs. You'll get there. Wisdom is proved by her children. And that means this, that when you're walking in wisdom, you don't have to avoid the test. You can go through the test, and then your wisdom will be validated. Living God's way will be validated the verse 15, it says, and at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter. It's the only time in the scripture where you see that fatter is good. <laughs> it appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. They appeared better and more blessed. Let me bring you into the New Testament. You ready? Wisdom will be tested. Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 7, Therefore who hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house upon the rock, and the rain descended, and what? The floods came, and the winds blew, and tested, beat on that house, and what? It did not 
fall. Everybody say it. It did not fall. You need to say this. I will not fall. When you build your life on Christ and his wisdom and say, God, I'm doing it and I'm willing to put it to the test in a Babylonian system. Listen, wisdom will be justified. Wisdom's not afraid of being tested. Wisdom just stands and says, God, you're going to be my defense. God, when we live according to your will and your way, God, the results will speak for themselves. I'm going to say it again. We must set our hearts before the test in order to pass the test. But... Let's just finish this up today with this one last thought. Well, what's the, what's the result of Daniel in Babylon, of these Hebrew young boys in Babylon, in the midst of confusion? What was the result of them living by God's wisdom? Here it is. They stood out as light. They stood out. They stood out as light. Notice what the king says. This is three years later. And then the king interviewed them. And among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. I need to stop you right there. What names are up there? Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Three years after being given false names. Three years after living probably on vegetables and water. Three years when the king's interviewing them, he doesn't call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No, he calls them Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah because they have set their heart and they're saying, Babylon's not going to rob me of who God has made me to be. It won't redefine me. I'm going to stand before God. And what was the result of this wisdom? They stood out as light. And it says, they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better. Ten times better than what? All the magicians and astrologers that were in the room. By the way, for those of you who are reading your little daily astrology, stop it. Somebody dares to ask me, hey, what's your sign? Stop sign. Cut it out. You can embrace a counterfeit if you want. I'm embracing the wisdom of God, which is ten times better. And I'm going to stand out as a light. I don't need some goofy, uh, who knows what kind of person is writing those things. Oh, a door is going to open to you. Yes, it is. I'm going right out my front door this morning and going to work. And I'm going to go preach the gospel and somebody's going to get saved. And I'm going to pray for some people and they're going to get healed. And I'm going to preach God's word. and It's going to settle in hearts and it's going to bring an effectual change more so than your little printed, made up, make-believe stuff you're trying to embrace. I'm telling you, I'm going to mess you up. Man, have you been messing around in witchcraft? Stop it! Wisdom is better. Babylon's trying to redefine you. You need to stop it. And you need to say, God, I'm going to live by wisdom. And you'll stand out as light in this world. See, God's will displayed in his people through wise obedience will stand as a testimony to the world who doesn't know him. 
The king said, who are like these? Who's like them? No one. It's what Pharaoh had to say about Joseph. Who else is like this guy whom the spirit of God rests? Why? They're going to live for God. Let me say it how Jesus said it to us in the New Testament. Matthew 5, 16 says, so let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. What, what good works is that attached to? To the wisdom of God. That it's God's way instead of a Babylon way, instead of a world's way. But how do you get that light in you? Well, you have to go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 12 says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And let me ask you, church, have you felt at all in the last three months like you've been in darkness? Then I wonder, what spirit did you keep following? Were you following a Babylonian spirit that led you in worldly wisdom? Or did you follow the Holy Spirit that led you into biblical wisdom that would have given you godly results? This is what God is calling us to, coming into wisdom through the fear of the Lord and saying, God, I'm setting my heart on you, and I'm not afraid to be tested. I'm not afraid to live my faith out in a way that the world sees that you are good and the light will shine and the gospel works.